Hey contractors, welcome to the Contractor's Playbook. I'm your host, Michael Gogan, and on this podcast, we will be talking with experts in the industry and getting real about their failures, successes, and lessons learned. I'll be joined in studio by our producer, Isaac Moore. Isaac, what did you think of today's conversation? Man, I thought it was a really insightful conversation. It was really great to sit down with Luke Ho. He runs two companies out of Green Bay area in Wisconsin, Concrete Coatings and Legacy Sunrooms. Uh, it's cool just to hear him talk about his approach and kind of his philosophy that he brings into running and shaping a, a business. And I uh, don't want to spoil too many things in there for you, but I, I think he really kind of hits on some things that are really foundational uh, when it comes to a a business philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you if you apply the uh, the coaching principle to this, being that we're the contractor playbook, he is that head coach that that's winning. He is that building that um, culture that's not just a win this year, but it's it's a win forever. Um, really impressive. Um, I think you guys are going to love this this conversation. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Thanks for jumping in with us today. Today, we're joined by Luke Ho, uh, Legacy Sunrooms. Luke, you got a lot of things going on, but first, huge shout out and thanks for jumping in with us. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to be here. So we are episode one of the Contractors Playbook. Obviously, the big thing about that is we got to talk some way about contracting. We're going to mix in some sports and we're going to talk all things fun, but... Let's tell everyone a little bit about your background in in the contracting world. I mean, I started as a as a um, home builder. I built houses for 15 years before I got into what I'm doing now. Um, and it wasn't a lot of uh, kind of the office stuff. I was just framing houses, so it was just build and build and build, and there wasn't a lot of business to it. Um, and then I got into uh, the the remodeling business, um, and I went more from I got out of the building and went into sales and also managing a business. Um, I learned quite a bit doing, doing that, but, um, been at this for, um, 11 years now, um, been either running a division for a company or owning a business. So it's working working out pretty good. Absolutely. So I met you at a concrete coatings event, uh, and you also, like I said, are within the sunroom game, uh, speak a little bit to that where you have, you know, a sunroom business and a concrete coatings business. To an outsider, I would think those are kind of opposite ends of the spectrum as far as businesses go. Um, how have you managed to make that work? Well, uh, make a long story short, first we started with sunrooms and we did sunrooms for, um, and we had done sunrooms for 10 years together, me and my my two partners. Um, we'd done sunrooms together for 10 years. Um, then we started the concrete coating side of things. And the reason we did that is sunrooms, big ticket items, they're a long term. So you you sell a job, um, you get X amount of dollars down. It takes about three months to get there to finish up all your other jobs. Um, it takes a good month to build and then another month to get your final check. It's, it's a five month turn um, when we decided we needed something else that would go quick. Um, so we could turn right away when we got into concrete coatings because you can turn and burn those. Those are one day jobs in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, the cash flow is pretty is a lot better because um, because it comes in and goes out pretty quick instead of waiting five months for a check. Um, so we got into that. Um, they are two completely different businesses. We we treat them like different businesses just under the same roof. Each one of them has a different production manager. Um, 
some of the sales guys go both ways, but I have a just sunroom guy. I have a just uh, coatings guy. Um, we, we treat them as separate businesses under the same roof, but we do apply the same kind of print business principles to both of them. Couple questions to piggyback with then there. So I'm going to shout out Pentech because that's that's where I was first uh, exposed to you. Obviously, you'd been using Company Cam. You knew what Company Cam was, but you and I had never actually met. And we had some great conversation while we were there at Pentech. You said you apply the same business principles to both businesses. How does that has that been successful? Have you found that you know? margins are margins and processes are processes and it, it works uh, no matter the type of contracting trade you're in or have you had any hiccups along the way? Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's always hiccups. If you don't ha- have hiccups, you're not running a business, you know? Um, I mean, my, my theory on it and what I've had to learn so I don't give myself heart attacks every day is that you have to wake up every morning and realize that today I am going to fight the demise of my company at least five times. So um, you're going to have hiccups, but um, treating them as the same, you know, putting the same principles towards it. Um, I'm talking about big, big principles, not little ones, you know, um, when it comes to accounting margins, um, stuff like that. That's the, uh, the, those are the kind of things that we, uh, we treat it to and how we treat our employees, how we expect our employees to act, all of that. Um, they're the same, the things that we kind of, uh, apply to both businesses. Um, but when it comes to things like say marketing, um, the sunroom business and the coding business are 110% different. Um, and I also have to give a shout out to Pentec. Um, I, well, coming up through the, the, in the construction industry, when my partners and I ran a sunroom division for another company before we started legacy, um, I, I was kind of brought up into the, the remodeling world, um, by a very, very big marketing genius, um, a guy that really knows how to, how to market. Um, and he knew how to market sunrooms, uh, one of the best out there. But when it came to coatings, 100% different than, than what the marketing for um, sunrooms. So when I attended some of the uh, Pentec events, um, especially their, their sharpening events and their, um, their dealer meetings, which is where I met you, you know, company cam um, two years ago, um, they really, really put forward what you need to to do to be successful. And once I implied that we were able to double our business almost overnight. So, um, there are some different things about it, but there are some, some principles you want to keep, um, you know, like core values that you want to keep throughout everything. Absolutely. So two, two years ago, I, I showed the Pentec audience what company cam was. You said, I'm going to give this a try. You're using company cam today. This year, though, when we went to the meeting, you were on that main stage. So props to you for for the growth that you've had with Pensec and being on the main stage and presenting. Um, but you presented on a really interesting topic. And the thing that resonated with me and why I thought this was such a good first episode of this podcast is we just took a podcast that was decently successful and we tore it down to the studs, gave it a new name, gave it a new brand, gave it a new logo. Uh, you had a similar story. Talk a little bit about your concrete coding side of things and how the end of 2019 was an interesting time for your business. Oh, um, well, I mean, it's a sore subject, but I'd love to talk about it because uh, if I could save anybody the trouble, the trouble that I went through, boy, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, 
we, you know, we, we started the business and we brought in some people for, uh, you know, for installers and these guys had bad attitudes. Um, and I, I, I keep a theory after this, um, is that a, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. You're not going anywhere until it gets fixed. And we just had some pretty negative people, uh, working for us. And these guys would show up late and say whatever. And then they would leave early and they weren't getting jobs done in a day, which is a huge, huge thing. Um, and we decided after about nine months of doing this, um, we looked at the numbers and these guys were tearing us apart. We were actually losing money. We weren't gaining a dime by these guys working here. Um, and so what we did was we, uh, we actually hired two new people. We had two crews and we decided to knock it down to one crew, restart and rebuild from there with a system where everybody followed the same system. Um, and we hired those two guys um, and we had them come into the shop at 8 a.m. after everyone was gone. And we had them leave by three o'clock before everyone got back. So no one was the wiser and we trained them for a couple of weeks. And after those guys were fully trained, we brought the other guys in on, a, I believe a Friday morning. And we just said, you're fired we just cleaned house and got rid of everybody um, and we restarted um, it was a very hard thing to do it was a very scary thing to do but in the end it was the it was the the correct and right decision to do um, but I also give credit to company cam for a lot of that um, I got to give you guys props for that um, you know in the beginning we weren't uh, you know these guys were getting jobs done and we had no idea why well in a smaller company everybody's so busy that you don't have time to go swing by a, a job site to see what's going on. Um, and we, you know, we just couldn't tell what was going on and why and, and, and just what's up. So um, once we started with company cam and these guys had to take pictures throughout the day and we noticed that a 20 minute step was taken two and a half, three hours because we could see it on company cam and everything real live updates for us. Um, that was a, a huge part of our decision-making process of saying, Hey, Here's our evidence, hard and true. These guys got to go. They have to go. Um, so then, yeah, we knocked down to one trailer, um, one crew. And by, I believe it was June or July, so basically six months, we were up to five crews. And we were running five crews every day, five days a week, um, because we, we stopped, restarted, reset, and gave it a go because we were heading down the path of destruction. So it's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, perfect timing as well, you know, right before COVID and all of that stuff to you know, try to go and restructure a business. So huge props to you guys that halfway through the year and you're you're growing and you're, you know, increasing the number of trucks. So I think that's that's a testament to making that tough decision. And I'm sure it was a tough decision. I'm guessing it wasn't a decision where you're like, oh, no brainer, like let's fire everyone and let's cut down to one trailer and this will be the right thing. So even, even one of those guys was a friend of mine that it, it made it very difficult to make that decision. But in the end, numbers are numbers. And that's a big difference between just working in construction and running a business, being able to see the numbers and see whether that it is literally going to run you into the poorhouse If you continue down that path, it was, it's a technically an easy decision, but yeah, you know, when you work with people at a smaller company, you get to know them, you know, their kids' names, you know, their vacation schedules, um, you know, everything about them. Uh, it, it makes it very hard to do so. Um, and, you know, unfortunately that friend of mine that we had to let go, um, I haven't talked to him since. 
Um, he hasn't reached out to me and I haven't reached out to him. So um, <laughs> it's another, it's another good piece of advice. Don't do business with friends or family. So, yeah, I can't imagine how difficult that was. And here you are today. You said five crews now that you're running. How important is it that when you took it down to the studs, obviously you, you learned some things and you said, we got to get people that are buying in and, and culture and those things, those things are extremely important. And I think all contractors know that, but how important was it that you set your crews up to pass information back and forth and, and for lack of better words, get along? Because I think that it sounds like if your production guys weren't getting jobs done in a day, that would impact your sales guys and now you just got this internal riff how important was it that you set your teams up to where sales fed production production fed sales obviously you mix your marketing in there uh has that been something you guys have really stressed yeah it is um because we you know we've been through both sides of it we've been through the you know in the beginning there where you had you know the the production guys that weren't getting anything done they blame everything on sales they tell the customer ah this never should have been sold i can't believe the sales guy this i can't believe the sales guy that um and now we've been and now having been through what we're where we're at now um it comes down to the culture um and, and we, we kind of took a hard look at it when we were breaking ripping everything down to the studs um we took a hard look at it and you know, just a kind of a backstory on it. Uh, me and my two partners, I'm partners with Dave and Brad. Um, Dave and Brad are a father-son team. Um, and the three of us have been together for 11 years now, uh, owning this business for, I think we're in year four. Um, but we ran a, a company before that. Um, and we took a look at it. And the, the three of us have never had a crossword between the three of us. Um, it's not to say we didn't disagree. Production and sales disagrees constantly. Um, they just have different interests, you know. Um, but we looked at it and we just said, you know, we have uh, we always have the end goal in mind. And whenever we come up to a, a, a contradiction or a, a disagreement, um, we basically sit down and figure out um, where, you know, how do we where do we want to be at the end of this? OK, perfect. How do we get there? Sometimes sales has to give 100 percent and production is right all the way. And sometimes production is has to give 100 percent and sales is right all the way. And but most of the time, it's everyone's got to do a little bit of give and a little bit of take. Um, but in the end, we keep the end goal in mind. And how do we get there and how do we how do we fix it? Um, and everybody has to leave pride at the door before you walk into a meeting like that. Um, you have to look, think of uh, I, I'd say the three of us are pretty good at putting the team above ourselves. Um, and, and we know that if we put the team above ourselves, the rest of us will, the team will eventually take care of us. Um, but we decided that we were going to put processes in place that were going to make sure everyone else in our company was like that and followed that same uh, model and that same kind of business atmosphere, um, and team atmosphere. Um, you know, I know, I know we had a situation that was actually involving company cam um, because anybody can, um, you know, go on and, and uh, say, edit a photo and put some writing on a photo. Um, and we had one of our, uh, one of our install guys put a comment on a photo of look at this spot. Sales guy should have pointed the cell before we got there, blah, 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 blah. And it was public for everyone to see it. Um, and we intentionally basically made the world stop turning until that got talked about the issue of the, the spot on the floor, but also the issue of this person publicly having sales and production going at each other. And we made the world stop. 
Nobody's getting another job. Nobody's getting another appointment. Nobody's going to work. Nobody's doing anything until this gets fixed. We basically made it, um, for lack of a better term, um, when a puppy pees on the rug, you have to make them think that their world is about to end. Their world has to, is about to stop. But once they stop doing that, nothing but love, appreciation, and you're part of this team and part of this pack and everything is great. But everyone had to feel like the world was about to end and stop for that point to get across to them. And now everybody knows that we simply just don't accept that here. Um, sales doesn't rip on production. Production doesn't rip on sales. Um, and that leadership starts at the top. You know, um, if, if my sales guys hear me ripping on the production guys, they're going to rip on the production guys. And if my, the production guys hear my partners, Dave and Brad, start talking garbage about sales, they're going to start talking garbage about sales. Um, so as soon as, for one, they don't hear that from us. And two, if it does come up, I'm the first to jump down somebody's throat if they're talking bad about production. And my partners are the first to jump down anyone's throat that's talking bad about sales. Um, but, but I think that that right there, that allowed us, that culture allowed us to go from one crew to five crews in six months. I mean, that's adding a crew a month. Um, and it allowed us to do that basically flawlessly and, and effortlessly. Um, if everybody just falls into suit and everyone you know, follows the culture we have, and we have had to get rid of somebody who didn't follow that culture recently. Um, but that's like a cancer in your company. If, if there's one person in there that is, be, uh, that is acting outside the way we want them to act like that and talking outside the way we want them to talk, um, we gotta, you got to get rid of them. You got to cut it out and get it out before it spreads throughout the rest of the company. Yeah, no kidding. Luke, talking about some culture things. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, and we will be right back with more from the Contractor's Playbook. This episode of The Contractor's Playbook is brought to you by CompanyCam. The only app every contractor needs, CompanyCam makes it dead simple to communicate, document, and problem solve with guys in the field no matter where you are. Check out CompanyCam and CompanyCam Pro now with video. And now back with your host, Michael Gogan. You used the word team there quite a few times, and I think that that's a really important word in this conversation. Uh, Obviously, I like talking contracting, but I'm an avid sports fan, and I've I've basically realized that in sports, you can tie everything back to real life. And so I would commend you guys because I think team is a word that oftentimes just gets thrown around. It's, it's either a real team, and you've got that concept of everyone has my back. We're not going to throw anyone under the bus. We're all rowing in the same direction. And then there's people that use the word team as, well, the production is a team and the sales, they're a team, but they don't truly embody that, you know, true team atmosphere. And it sounds like you guys really do that. And I think to, you know, football being a great example, you've got offense and you've got defense and the teams that win usually have a much better offense or a much better defense. And then the other one gets the job done, but you never see them pointing fingers during and losses. You know, be, being a Chiefs fan, and I know you're a Packers fan, like our offenses are really, really good. And oftentimes the, you know, defense is, is doing enough to, to keep us in games, coming up big at times. But you never see the offense say, well, man, if our defense was just a little bit better, uh, we would have won that game. But you do see it in, in organizations that are struggling. I mean, uh, 
was I think it was the Jets that their defensive coordinator came out and said, "Man, our offense is just terrible. We would win if it wasn't for our offense." And and that doesn't embody that that team spirit. And I think you guys have really by taking it down to the studs and you know focusing on what's important, you've really created a true team. Um, with that, how do you see that scaling going into this coming year? So twenty twenty one, are you still at five crews? Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Um, you know, here in Wisconsin, or northern Wisconsin, when it is blowing cold, you know, we'll knock down to three crews for the winter. Not for lack of being able to do it, but just lack of interest. People hibernate when it gets cold out. You know, when it's mm-hmm. you know when they know that there's twenty below coming, they you know they hibernate. Um, but yeah, I honestly think we can keep this going and keep this team atmosphere. Um, and I don't see an end in sight to our growth. Um, I, I really think if you keep it, you know, I'll relate it back. You say, you know, things are like sports. Um, you know, I coached a high school rugby team for 10 years and I, I played for 18 years and I relate almost everything I do back to, back to that. Um, and, you know, I've, I've noticed that, you know, like, let's say you've got a, you've got a star running back, um, that star running back. Uh, if he tries to take on that defense, that defensive line without an offensive line, um, he could be the best running back on, on earth. I mean, he could be, he could be uh, Walter Payton and he's not going anywhere, you know? So one has to realize the other. Um, and I, I know you had noticed or you had mentioned that you're a Chiefs fan and I'm an actual football fan because I like the Packers um, instead of the Chiefs. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, the same way, I kind of think of, um, you mentioned offense and defense and uh, the way I like to think about it is uh, the way I explain it is it's almost like, um, quarterbacks and receivers are like the sales manager and the sales team and the uh, uh, production is like your, your lineman. Um, you're not going to go anywhere without each other. You have to work with each other. Sometimes some people make mistakes, but you just gotta, um, you don't blame each other and yell at each other on the field. As soon as you start fighting with each other, the other team's going to win. Um, and the same thing happens with construction. As soon as you start having fighting within the ranks, um, the other team, which is your competition or um, bills coming in or and anything else is going to win if you're not, you know, if you start the, the fighting amongst the ranks. Um, so that's a, that is something that you have to, you have to eliminate on the spot instantly. And I mean, squash it. You need to overreact to it almost um, to, to kill it and make sure that everyone knows I didn't just make a mistake by saying this one thing, anything involving that attitude is bad and will not be tolerated here. That brings up to me the term leadership. Mm-hmm. Yep. You think about successful sporting teams and you've got the Chiefs, you've got great coaching, you've got a great leader in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I'll give the Packers some credit. They've got they've got a great quarterback. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a really good quarterback. Uh, but what you never see them do is after a game, they never take all the credit. And they never place the blame. Big no. win, and it's man. Our offensive line was great today, and I think that you embody that as a leader. And is that something you try to uh, instill, like from the top down? So it's your three partners, and then you've got managers and stuff. It, how important is it to get people that lead in the same manner as you guys do? Yeah, you know, I'll I'll agree to that. Um, they, you know, as leaders say, Mahomes and Rogers. We'll, we'll use those guys because um, a lot of people know them. Um, 
you're right. They never, they never place blame. You know, they'll, if somebody dropped a pass, you know, cause I know we got guys in the Packers that'll drop passes. Um, they'll say, you know, we as a team have to work on, um, you know, a couple of drops that we had. They'll never point somebody out. It's a, it's an issue that has to be dealt with, but they're never going to throw anybody under the bus. Um, but those guys also, um, regardless if it was their mistake or someone on their team's mistake, they take responsibility for it. You know, um, we, we have to fix this or I have to work with better with my guys on this. Um, and I think that's a good show of a show of good faith is taking responsibility for the, um, for the mistakes, you know, like as a, uh, as a sales leader um, in my organization, cause I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have two partners. They run the production side of things and I run the, uh, the, the sales side of things. Um, taking responsibility for your um, team's mistakes whether it was you or not, and whether you trained them on it a hundred times and they still made the mistake or not. When, you know, production says, Hey, this, we, we told you not to sell this, you sold it. And the sales team doesn't get cranked at by anybody else. I take the blame and I say, you know what? It's my mistake. It's my team. I'll, I'll fix it. I got this. And then I bring it to my team and say, Hey guys, we went over this, but you know, we ran into it again. They know I got not chewed, but they know I was in an uncomfortable position to have to answer for it, even though, even though I, I told them not to do it and they did it anyways. Um, it, it'll give them a sense of having their back. And I'll tell you what, if you show people appreciation, you also show them that they're safe here. They can make mistakes and it's okay. If you're going to make a mistake, make an aggressive one, right? Go after it. And if you make a mistake, I got your back, right? You show people that. And I'll tell you what, their loyalty it, it will be unmatched. And so that, that right there, if you want buy-in from somebody, that's how you get buy-in. You show them they're appreciated and you have their back and they, they will be appreciated. You hit the nail on the head there. Uh, so I coached, I coached high school basketball, football for 10 years. I grew up a coach's kid. And the one thing that I took from my dad, cause you know, even small town, local newspaper, when they reach out to you, they want that. They want that interesting clip. They want that quote that's got a little bit of fire to it. And he never provided it. And that's that's one thing I took away as from a leader. And I, I I see it in you as well that, you know, when things go really well and the production is like, man, you guys crushed that job. It's like, yeah, my team is great. Like they they executed really well. We did things perfectly, whatever. Uh, but when things don't go perfectly, then you're in a situation where you're saying, you know what? Our game plan maybe could have been better. Our process could have been better. Our communication could have been better here. We're going to make sure that that doesn't happen again, like you just said. And that gets you that buy-in. But what it also does is it, you know, that I love how you mentioned that they feel safe because it was probably a mutual problem. You as the leader probably didn't communicate something down either to the level of importance or like clearly for them and they see okay that's a problem now but luke had our back on that one let's not make that same mistake again and i think i think leading that way is so important so people listening to this like i i think it's important to look in the mirror and say what kind of leader am i like what happens when these mistakes happen do it am i the one that's pointing the finger because as a human that's really easy to do it's really easy to point the finger and say if they wouldn't have done it that way, we would have been fine. So, uh, huge, yeah. huge props to you. I, I think I always say, I always say, never miss an opportunity to defend your guys. Never once. 
Um, and also another big part of it, I think too, is you don't, if you make a mistake, you gotta, you gotta stop thinking that, Oh man, I made a mistake. Oh, this is gonna look terrible. I also have another way of looking at things. You never, never miss an opportunity to admit your mistakes. So um, I look at it as a great thing. I can come to my guys and say, hey, I made a mistake. I trained us to do this. And apparently it was the wrong way because production just came to me and told me this. Um, but yeah, my mistake, 100% guys. So let's just move on and let's show, let's, uh, let's go through how to do this the right way. You know, um, here's why it was a mistake. You know, here's what happened. I miss, I completely misunderstood them and we did this and here's the result of it. You know, we're going to lose a, a whole boatload of money doing this. But good news is, is education is expensive and we just figured this out. We just learned. So um, let's move on. So I like, I like admitting my mistakes to my, to my team too, instead of uh, trying to be the, I'm the boss, man. I don't make mistakes. What I say is right. I'm completely wrong. Um, yeah, uh, I I think that's also a big thing. I never miss an opportunity to do that as well. Yeah, I, I think never miss an opportunity to defend your team, you know, but also never miss an opportunity to get better. And I think that sounds like what you're doing in that case is, hey, we're learning from this mistake. We're getting better uh, and we're not going to make the mistake again. Uh, one final question here for you, Luke, and this is uh, to just kind of play on the, the contractor playbook and, and my love for sports, but from a from a leadership perspective that you know scouting report game plan that coaches put into place is so valuable and you you've obviously been successful you've got five crews uh you tore it down you restarted so you've got a lot of stuff in that game plan but if you could go back and do something in that initial scouting report say you're playing this game over again and you said man if only i would have had this in the scouting report the first time what would you have put in the scouting report? Oh, oh, like what would I have done? What basically, what would I have done different? Huh? Um, I would have looked for different personalities in the guys that I hired. Um, that would have been, that would have been step one. Um, step, yeah. Step, step one would have been looking for um, different people and different personalities. The, the negative attitudes are just a, such a cancer. Um, I also, I can't stress this enough to any, any contractor out there whatsoever. Um, I've even been trying to talk to my, my friend of mine owns a uh, basement repair business um, and they use Google drive to put pictures on or whatever. Um, and it sounds like a nightmare. And I've been trying to preach to him about company cam. Um, and like, you know, we have five coding crews, but we also have six sunroom crews, you know, so that's, I mean, that's 11 crews that, you know, we have to keep an eye on. Um, and when you live in an area like we do of green Bay, which is really spread out, plus we cover an hour and a half to two hours in every direction, um, that I would jump on that right away too. It saves you hours of driving to go look at something. Um, it, it allows you to keep an eye on your crews. Your, your guys know they're not going to get away with anything because they're, they have to take pictures at certain times. Um, it saves you quite a bit with, uh, I can't tell you the countless amount of money it saved us on damage repair, um, where somebody says we damaged something of theirs, but the pictures that were taken by the salesperson when the job was sold shows that damage before we were even there. Um, 
So if it were me, the the media part of it, of the company cam, um, and the, the, the attitudes of the guys, we now know how to hire better. Um, and out of the whatever 24 people we have, I know we had to get rid of one person that slipped through the cracks in our interviewing process. But um, other than that, that, that would be the, the main thing that I would say is that anybody with a negative attitude, if you've got what I call a negative Nance or somebody likes to complain all the time, I don't care if they're the best worker on the planet, get rid of them, get them all, don't hire them, stay away from it. I think those are great answers. Uh, it's more important to hire the right people than the skill set. You can always train the skill set, but getting the right people in is so important. And I appreciate the shout out to Company Cam, but I would even break that down to you've got to be willing to invest in things that are going to make your team more efficient. And obviously, Company Cam does that, but there's there's lots of things out there. It's the right CRM, it's worth that investment and that time up front. Because like you said, it's going to save you so much money on the back end. It's going to put your team in positions to where they're winning. Uh, so, yeah, it, I mean, it, it helped us. It helped us get through, uh, get away from walkaway jobs. You know, there's, there's sales guys out there that just want to sell anything. Um, and, you know, fortunate for me, I'm, I'm good at the sunroom sales because I was a builder. Um, I can see a lot of things. I know what we can do and what we can't do. But when you bring in a salesperson that has never worked in the field, um, they sell something thinking, ah, it's going to be tough, but we got this. And the production manager goes through company cam, all the jobs that were sold that the day before and looks at it and says, Oh no, we got to get out of this and we can quickly get out of that job. Um, it, you know, stuff like that. Um, it, it, it helps immensely. And I remember thinking, I remember seeing you guys at that first dealer meeting and thinking, who do I want to make this investment? You know, Oh, that's a lot of money. Should I, and actually it's not even all that terrible. Um, but I looked at it and now and I was, I was, I can't believe I was even questioning it, but um, now I look at it and it is probably one of the wisest investments we'll make. Um, I, I, I couldn't think of a, a better one, but you're right. Like the right CRM, the right program like this uh, to capture pictures and to, uh, to keep everybody in touch. Um, it's, it's just like, if you're driving nails, you gotta have the right tool for the job. And it's a very, very wise investment on both ends of, of, of uh, that with the CRM and with the, uh, the company cam, for sure. Absolutely. Well, Luke, it was a, it was a privilege to spend some time with you today. I, I commend you on what you've done with both uh, the coding end of things and the sunroom end of things. Uh, it, it's impressive to say, hey, let's tear this thing down and start over. Uh, but it's it was successful. And uh you will ever uh, hold a special piece in this this podcast because you were the one that inspired me to say, let's tear this thing down and let's fire this thing back up, rebrand it. Let's make this what we truly want it to be. So I appreciate you. I appreciate your story. Uh, and uh, thanks for jumping in with us. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I, I'm very excited to be able to share that as something big we overcame. And we're, uh, we're excited about the future. Absolutely. Go Chiefs. Go Packers. Well, thanks again to Luke Ho for jumping in on episode one of the Contractors Playbook. We are excited for the future of this podcast. If you would like to look at more content, feel free to head to companycam.com forward slash podcast. And for myself and Michael Gogan, we will see you next time on the Contractors Playbook. Contractors Playbook.